Good evening, everyone. Welcome to I Have the High Ground. Um, we're talking Star Wars, mainly Star Wars tonight. And I thought tonight that we would, uh, well, first of all, I'm Aaron, and with me is Rick and Brett. Hey, guys. How's it going? How's it going? What we're going to do is we're talking about the prequel trilogy, and we're each going to give you top five moments, our personal favorite top five moments. Um, could be for different reasons. When we were um, planning to record this episode, as has been a few days ago, we came up with this idea. So we've each had a few days to mold us around what these top five moments would be for us. Again, we're only talking about the prequel trilogy. What I, I'd kind of like to do, and you guys tell me if you're on board with this, um, I was thinking we would go five to one, so kind of in reverse order, leading up to your your favorite moment, and we'll kind of take turns. So we talk about five, then then we go to four, then three, then two, then one, each of us. Does that sound good? I'm down. Me. Okay. <clears throat> Before we get into that, um, what is, what's going on, guys? How was your week? Today is, by the way, it's a Friday evening. Um about 8.30-ish in the evening. So it's been a busy work week. Lots going on at my work. Um, I work for a company that makes mattresses for our listeners, mattresses and beds. I work in the e-commerce department. Um, lots going on there, lots of different problems, which I won't bore everyone with, but it's been kind of a challenge lately. So good to have the week behind us and looking forward to the weekend. Same. I had to work Saturday, but the nature of my work, I can't really disclose a lot of things that I do. He's a secret agent. Secret agent, man. Anyway, um, as far as my work, or as far as my week as a whole is, um, it's fine. Nothing real major. It's just been kind of an average week. Everybody's fairly healthy. Peyton, my daughter, she's finally getting over her latest cold. and she had to Is get, it coronavirus? No. Are you just, sure? Are you just sure? fine with the old baby colds. Has she been tested? Yes. She was tested yet. Uh, Negative. Thursday. For yeah. the coronavirus? No, <laughs> for her ear infection. She has an ear infection. That's, you should uh, get it tested. <laughs> she does not have corona. You'd think it was uh, with the way or the Bud Light. with the way the stock markets have been acting. You'd think right. it's the end of the world. Funny though that you said that, Brett, because Corona, the actual company, they had to make a Twitter announcement saying that no, our beer does not cause the coronavirus. Because I guess <laughs> it was like five hundred percent. Searches online went up with their name on it. Corona Beer Company virus. <laughs> Idiots. They're like, no, our beer does not cause. People Speaking of which, dumb. their beer with a lime, when you have a sea boil, delicious. A sea boil. Oh, yeah. One of your nasty crab bakes. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, he doesn't like a sea boil. You believe that? That's insane. I know, right? How do you not like Cajun food? I like the... I like the chicken when you put the Cajun rub on the chicken and stuff. That's good. What I don't like is crustaceans. Animals that come out of the ocean live in shells. So but you take the shells off, shred. so it's not really. It's I, just I, like fish. Not exactly. Uh, well, so crabs, lobsters, plankton. Who eats plankton? plankton. <laughs> I don't think that's a food group. Shrimp. Oysters, clams. Oh my gosh! So you, mussels. You haven't tried though. Did you ever try the stuff? You that should we try made? fried. I don't have to. I know I don't mm. like it. No, you don't even under, like. Okay, come on. Like you were. What was your expectation? I know we're getting way off that subject here. What was your expectation when we had that sea boil? And you're not very fond of naked so shrimp, right? Right. 
Naked shrimp. Yeah. Naked shrimp. <laughs> naked shrimp. Naked shrimp is the term for shrimp that have not been fried, battered and fried. Yes, he, Ricky's right. I was hesitant because I do not, I don't care for shrimp. <laughs> Boy, it's good when they grill it at the Japanese steakhouses and you dip it in that mustard sauce. It's the same thing, that's good. but better. You put well, a that? spicy Cajun sauce on it. That's it. No, that's, that's even the better m- than mustard that. sauce that makes it makes it no really good. No. You should try it. Mustard's pretentious. If you if you like, that's a subpar shrimp compared to the shrimp oil. Spicy mustard is pretentious. French's yellow mustard. I take is I'd not take spicy mustard over normal mustard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I despise all spicy. mustards. Anywho, spicy mustard, Dijon mustard, yellow mustard. No that's, mustard. That's the order of mustards. <laughs> mustard with uh, Miracle Whip. Mm. Yeah. And ketchup mixed so, together on your what? burger. Yeah, ketchup? Mix, mix all three together. Nah, it's pretty good. Yes, ketchup. Okay, it depends on the... Well, if you're eating hot dogs, I guess. And, uh, you should only eat hot dogs at, when they're a dollar at the at the, at the dollar theater. Those are, those are good. Two dollars. The ones at Costco are good. Just get... They don't <laughs> sell them at Walmart anymore, but you could, used to get the Cardinal official hot dogs. They don't have them anymore? No, I haven't seen them in like the last... Sucks. Oh, Costco, apparently you're not going to be able to eat at their food court unless you're a member. No. I thought you always had to be a member to eat there. I just saw a headline this week. Apparently, you didn't have to be to eat at the food court. Now, I don't know if you get the price. I always showed my card every time I would, or when you walk in the door. Are you thinking Sam's Club? No, I know Sam's Club. I've I've done both. But I've always showed my, when you have to get into the door, you have to show your card. Yeah, true. But my my week was okay. Uh, Last week and a half was good. Uh, Brittany and I's uh, anniversary was last Saturday. Six years, six. I fly by. And are you still as happy as you were when you married her? Oh yes, hundred percent more happy. No, I know that clicking I, I sound know. was a golf clap. I know that's the official response, but off the record, is that the accurate oh, yeah. response? Hundred percent happy. Oh, okay, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. We're we're doing really well. And she's in Chicago now, uh, supposedly at a women's conference, but. Uh, but well, she's doing what we were doing, and they're in the hotel room playing Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. She's probably in the bed with Deb Brunneman or something. Yeah, she's actually, uh, I think they're double, they're like, they're quadding up in oh, each they, room. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. Nice. Who's she? Well, never mind. That's here nor there. That's not relevant to yeah. the audience. Other than that, yeah. Week was good. Uh, excited to talk about this. Yeah, I, I know we're going to probably talk about each thing more than once, but I have three really ones that affected me the most with the prequels so I can I mean I can conjure up two more I probably okay good wasn't a lack thereof it was just a or a lack there uh, trying it was just a, I have three one three that I really really enjoy so let's hit it then um, let's start with number five that is what she said Brett how about you start us off number five for number five Pass. I put <laughs> On to you, Aaron. I will skip his turn. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead, bro. For number five, I put the pod race. Oh, interesting. Oh. Okay. As a kid, yeah, that was quite the spectacle when I saw that in theaters. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even think about the pod race when I was thinking about this. That's the same. A, that's good, though. That's, yeah. yeah, I like that. So, yeah, I can tell you the pod race is not in my top five. But, I mean, as I... It just it sticks out just because yeah. it's a memory I had in the theater. I was thrilled because at the time it was a, you know, it was a spectacle. And so for nostalgic reasons alone, I think it makes my top five list. Because um, like when Bulba was like right on his tail, you knew Anakin wasn't going to get killed. But 
it was it was exciting at the time. You know, now it's it's kind of drawn out and boring, I guess. But yeah, for nostalgic reasons alone, I think it uh, fits in my top five. Nice, it's a good one. I think the pod race, I kind of tend to forget about it because it it's a, it's an important moment, but it's more an action set piece, right? It's a set piece that just helped to advance the the plot and what they needed to do to be able to get off Tatooine once they found Anakin. So in terms of how it plays into the overall story of the trilogy, it didn't really register with me as a top moment just because of um, the weight of it. The spectacle, sure, is is uh, tremendous, but uh, the weight of it didn't register with me that much. Yeah, the thing that sticks out most about the pod race is Jabulba's uh, pod. <laughs> yeah, a really unique sound. The sound <laughs> yeah. design on that was... Yeah, I like it. Right, but it showcased, like, Anakin's ability to drive those machines. It said he's the only human that was able to do right. it. So, so it, it, in, in that sense, it if you didn't if you didn't see that, then it wouldn't make sense for him to pilot that ship at the end of the movie where he finally blows up the uh, droids hmm. thingamajig. Not that it the holds a lot of weight. Ship. Right. It's just one of those scenes, like... Today, and if I had to watch it now, it'd probably be draw, drawn out and I'd probably get bored. But as no, a kid, I, I, I've watched it recently and it's just as entertaining, I think. Yeah. But on an entertainment value, which is how I judge most of my movies anyway. Especially when you got the Tusken Raiders shooting yeah, at them. Yeah, shooting at them. <laughs> I just, it's a, mem- it's a memory that when I think right. uh, Phantom Menace, that's one of the things that I think about is the pod race. That's fair. Okay. Uh, my. Number five moment, I think um, Obi-Wan, uh, Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan, his trip out to Kamino and where he finds the clone army for the mm. first time. It felt, to, to me, Kamino felt like uh, this really out-of-the-way place. Like, it truly was. If you look at the, you know, if you go online and you look at a map of Star Wars planets, I think if you find Camino, it actually is out there in the it's outer, on the outer rim. The rim. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Camino felt like an outer rim planet. It just it felt remote the way they showed it in the movie, and I think that's kind of because it was all it was, it's an ocean planet, so all their cities are built on water. Um, Obi Wan doesn't run into a bunch of different people in there, so it's not like there is a. Um, you know, thriving towns or cities. He, wherever he shows up, there's just two other Kaminoans that he runs into. It, it just felt kind of mysterious, like what he was going to find out there. And then he finds a clone army, and he show Obi Wan shows confusion, and I think the audience relates to that confusion. Um, we we know where did this where did these guys come from? Look at all these guys. Clearly, they're these are stormtroopers of the past or whatever. Cause I, you know, they got the white armor. So that's what you're thinking. It's like, Oh, these guys are going to be stormtroopers at some point. Where did they come from? I just thought it was, it was very mysterious how they introduced them when they show them for the first time, the, um, the landing craft ready to take off. Um, just so, and you got the orchestral music that's, um, that plays at that moment and you just see how massive and well-trained the army is. Just, uh, a really impressive thing to me. Yeah. The sequel, Clone Wars, is probably my least favorite of the prequels. But I did like that scene as well. However, the mystery, as far as, like, Sifo-Dyas, they, they say that's who started it, but they never... And one thing that's always bothers me is they <laughs> Who's never... Who's They never explain that character or his motivation. 
and I know they kind of dive into that in the Clone Wars cartoon, but if yes. you bring that information up in a movie, I, to me, I guess I shouldn't have to rely on on a cartoon to fill in those gaps. I feel like you should have a complete story. You're right. They they talk about it as he was the one that placed the order, and then they don't touch on it again in the movies. So uh, you're right. That's kind of a thread they left hanging. They didn't resolve it in the live action movies. You're and you're right. They did. They they in Clone Wars they addressed it. In fact, in fact, I think that was in season six where they talked about exactly what, what happened to him. The Jedi actually go on an, an investigative journey trying to f- figure out exactly what happened to him. So, and they did that story well. If you you watched the Clone, I know Brett, you have, but in fact, it's been a while, and I don't exactly remember the particulars. But they did it pretty well um, to finally tackle that question. Yeah. Um, so mine, uh, I'm a I'm very into politics. I love uh, just the nature of uh, regimes and geopolitical landscape of how things change. And the moments where you kind of get like, shivers is when uh, you know when, when when the emperor basically takes over as supreme chancellor, and they say how democracy dies and a thunderous applause. Yeah. I thought that was a really really cool moment. Just because uh, like I, cause I'm a I, I'd consider myself a student of history as well. So when you look back at all the different uh, political bodies across the across the, the millennia that have given up all their freedoms to one person or one entity, it's always because of like a like something happens. They have to they have to act fast in order to get it taken care of and. Like this in this case with the Trade Federation, yeah. <laughs> the uh, you're right. Um, the invasion of Naboo happened in Phantom Menace, which was several years, uh, at least ten years prior to the events of Attack of the Clones. And then Revenge of the Sith was actually the Empire actually wasn't formed until Revenge of the Sith, right? Right, right. I'm saying when when they gave when they gave uh, emergency powers emergency or whatever. Powers, you're yeah. right. You're right. That was in. Um, that was an attack of the clones. Right. They gave emer- emergency powers because of the threat of the um, the separatists. Right. So yeah. So I think that was a pretty. Uh, I mean, if, if like I said, if you if you are a person that enjoys history, then you like you'll enjoy kind of how when you have a weak institution like the Republic was, even though they had freedoms and stuff like that, but they were a weak bureaucratic uh, government body that it's so easy to um, manipulate. Manipulate, yeah. and sure enough, that's what he did. Yeah. That's a good one. You're welcome. Number four. Well, for my number four, uh, since the Clone Wars was such a disappointment to me, <laughs> I, uh, but I wanted to... Wait, hang on. You mean Attack of the Clones? What did I say? The Clone Wars. Oh, correct. <laughs> anyway, the, the second film of the prequel trilogy, I, I wanted to represent it in some way, so I, I found the only thing that I recall... And that was the arena battle, um, with when Obi Wan, Anakin, and Padme—they were in that arena, and then they sent in the monsters to mm. kill them. And again, I know it's another action sequence, I guess, and it doesn't really add to the plot in any way, shape, or form. But you know, the Jedi get involved, and it was a pretty unique battle. Eventually, you know, they eventually had to kill the monsters, and then the droid army and the Jedi. Duke it out. In fact, I think that's one of the, the most Jedi on screen, if I recall, in any of the trilogies. I believe that's right, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, uh, it's interesting, like, they, they talk about who the Jedi is supposed to be and their, like, like what their their mission is, and they said that was totally a, like, for them to actually fly into there and try to save, and they were all 
they took heavy casualties too. You think about it, like, and it was such a very odd use of the Jedi. Yeah, because they go in there, you know, they all <coughs> they jump into the middle of the arena like idiots, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here they are. They're out in the open. They go charging at the droid army. All they're, they're swinging their lightsabers. You don't see if they're using any other kind of force abilities other than lightsabers, right? Why doesn't Mace Windu, like, levitate or throw them all, uh, you know, just lift them all up and destroy them, slam them against the ground or something, you know? Like, I, I don't know. For as powerful as Jedi are supposed to be, you certainly don't get that they're have any other abilities other than they can swing their lightsabers. So it didn't look good on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, I mean, that's like that's never been their that really hasn't ever been their mission to do that. They're uh peacekeepers. Yeah, um, but they're not even like it's not they're not supposed to be frontline generals what right. they later become. They're right. not supposed to do that. Right. And that's just it was such a an odd I I didn't think about it and you know when you're younger and you're 13 or 12 watching it you're like oh that's awesome but yeah, how did read, they how did they get that? Like, doesn't why wouldn't they have trained clone generals to right. also be tear or, or sometimes senators would take over? Yeah, like in Roman times, senators would um, raise their own armies and uh, assume command of them. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's been explored in other mediums, books or comics or something, or other other podcasts or shows. But um, yeah, it is interesting. Moment number four for me is the. Massive space battle above Coruscant I was gonna say in that episode one. three. <laughs> in fact, this is kind of a retroactive, important um, has retroactive importance to me because of how I've learned to appreciate space battles when they're done properly. Like the very last one in uh, Rise of Skywalker, right? Like the yes. In, <laughs> in in fact, in science fiction in general, it's just it's so rare to get a, um, a spectacular space battle. Um, so yeah, as at the time when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." But then you're you're you get sucked into the story, right? So you're not thinking about the battle so much because you're following Anakin and Obi Wan as they're going on their adventures, trying to rescue the Chancellor. But over the years, as I've thought about it and every watched it again, it's just so impressive how many ships they put on screen and. There, it's just so tight quarters, and you got ships just slugging it out. You you see, there's the scene where the Venator Star Destroyer loads up the um, the the port side batteries and and fires a broadside on the Confederacy ship, and um, yeah, and basically that it spells uh, that's what sends it spiraling down to the planet's surface. So, just just amazing cinematography and special effects mm-hmm. in the battle. Yeah, I was oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I agree with you on that. I I kind of didn't even think about that when I wrote my list. But uh, as far as space battles, it's one of the better yeah, ones. Yeah, that was going to be number, my number four as well. Going back again, because you have to watch it, you have to kind of like uh, reminisce as in when you watched it those years ago and just seeing those ships all together. And, I mean, you didn't see that hardly at all, really, in the in the original series. And then you see all these... Just everything's going fast motion, and uh, at the time the graphics were in our eye, my eyes, anyways, was just top notch. And I mean, it's just phenomenal. And it's just, uh, it's just it, the the whole Star Wars universe to me in general is just it, it's a uh, it's so interesting because it's so realist, like so futuristic and archaic at the same time. Because you have these. 
these ships that get broadside just like they did back in you know uh the days age of, of sail yeah the age of sail and then they just they they duke it out but then you have then you have planet destroyer weapons you know just so i mean the whole the whole concept and it's just that's why the space battles are so so fun and captivating in the star wars and that's why i mm-hmm. like the course on space battle for sure that was number four. So yep. n- number three, I can start us off here. Number three, I think, is going to be the opera house scene in Revenge of the Sith. Anakin, as you remember, Anakin goes to uh, a, I shouldn't say opera house. I don't think it was technically an opera. It, w- it was a performance of some kind by Mon- Moncala. Uh, the Moncala species, I believe. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. It was a trap for Anakin because uh, that was the beginning of the end for him as Anakin. But anyway, so Anakin goes to this performance. He um, sits down next to Chancellor Palpatine, and then Palpatine um, very smoothly lays his um, lays his trap for Anakin to turn to the dark side and. It's re- it's a remarkable scene because of a couple of factors. I think one is the music, which is supposed to be the music that's um, being played as part of the performance, but it's a very dark kind of a music. Very, uh, it sounds very sinister and solemn, mm-hmm. and it just kind of sets the tone for the conversation. The second element is uh, the chancellor's. Just the way he talks to Anakin in a, a very soft in a way, but in a very authoritative way, and where he reveals that he knows about the Force, and it doesn't really seem to take Anakin by that much surprise. The Chancellor plays to Anakin's emotions here because he knows that Anakin um, is troubled and is involved with Padme and wants to... Uh, make sure that she's going to be all right. And he, and so the Chancellor plays to that, knowing that that's his weak point. It's just such an amazing scene all the way around because of the way they acted. And actually, Anakin, act, Hayden Christensen, should get some props here too because of how he acted in this scene. Um, he did much, much better than he did in Attack of the Clones. But anyway, that is that scene is my number three moment. Yeah, that's actually a pretty solid moment in in the film series, um, and I love that music that I kind of attempted. How do you like? Yeah, how do you explain it? It's like a, it's like a chanting, like a very low. It's where that little floating things in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's. And he subtly brings up Darth Plagueis. Yep. Um, I guess I'll go to my number three, which is when Anakin. Uh, turns fully to the dark side he goes to the temple the jedi temple and he he kills the younglings and then uh and then shortly after that he finishes off the uh separatists i don't know why but that was like a for me watching that i was like that's a really cool moment like not cool but it was cool <laughs> and but it showed like even though i thought the turn was drastic he's like you know at first he was like don't you know he just turned suddenly. That to me was a little jarring. But after he turned, it was like he just went full on hmm. dark. It's really dark. Dark, you know. Like even really for dark. that series, and uh, right, I'll explain it more because this was this one's also my. It's in. Oh, this is in yeah, your yeah. list. But it's more specific. It's more specific. Uh, but 
yeah, it's just it's it it, it kind of still gives me the, the chills in ways when I still watch it. Yeah, the scene, the moment when he when he finishes off the separatist and he kind of he looks menacingly into the camera. That was that's a pretty chilling moment. His eyes have even changed colors. Mm-hmm. Are you talking when he looks over his shoulder? Yeah, yeah. So to me, that 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 series of events stands out to me um, as my yeah. number three. Yeah, so uh, my number three is the good old Battle of Naboo. Interesting. I love that battle sequence. Like, I, I don't know why. It just—I know it's gonna sound crazy, but that's probably—it's it, between that and the Battle of Geonosis. Like, those two are probably my favorite battles the entire. No, I think Star. Besides Hoth, I mean, if we're going back way back, but like, I—I th- I think the just the way they—I know Jar Jar just kind of kills everybody's mood. He's an owner killer. <laughs> but uh, it's just uh, I love that battle sequence. You got the you got the the the, the, the droids, and then you got the droid tanks, and <laughs> it's just it's a it's a it's a great sequence. I think I love the planes battle. Yeah, and the and the space battle to a lesser extent. Um, yeah, the planes battle where the the um, the tanks. <laughs> we're sorry, we're laughing because Rick's phone is just why just froze up like, for I no just, reason. I just every I cannot get a break with my phones, dude. Like, just, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Anyways, Dead go ahead. Poor, poor, poor. <laughs> so the droid tanks they come rolling up. They they let let off a few shots against the Gungan shield um, to no effect. But then the droids roll out their. Um, out their other their troop carriers and the the droids all they deploy they un, uncurl themselves they pull all their blasters off that's their just backs a, and it's an awesome scene yeah, like it's just, just and then they and then they march in perfect ranks right and so like when you when you're a student of history you 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 look at the ranks and you look at the legions and that to me that's like that's the i think that's what they were trying to go with was yeah. the actual roman legions I when they're just so. like ching ching yeah. ching ching and then they're like they're walking this perfect order yeah. and they had to go through the shield bubble and then it's just like when that first volley of just like as soon as they pop through that and it's like and then they start throwing their little gumballs back and stuff like that <laughs> and you're cheering they're, for them you're like yeah kill those gungans <laughs> they're poison they're poison blueberries Wipe or whatever they are kill jar jar slaughter those rodents yeah it's just a, I, I don't know i just Reptiles. That was just a fun battle sequence, and I can remember anytime I'd want to watch that particular episode, I would really just want to watch that scene because it's so good. Good one. Yeah. So are we on number two? Two. My number two. Oh, sorry, hang on. What was your number three? That's when he changed. That's, oh, changed. that's right. Yep. So we're not we're number two. So those are three. So so far these are all fairly different, actually. Yeah, yeah. I thought we might mix. were. So I thought all versions would be the similar, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Number two. My number two is Yoda confronts Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. He sends Obi-Wan to confront Anakin, and he goes to confront Palpatine. You know how this is going to end up, right? Because we've uh, this comes before. This is a prequel, so it, we know how this is going to end. But you're still you're still hoping that you know this is the last chance for the Jedi to stop Palpatine. So Yoda goes in. They have a brief little conversation, and then they throw down. And it's just a really cool scene. You know, I love fights that begin with dialogue between the antagonist and the protagonist because it just sets the table. It helps you understand where each one's coming from. It helps you understand the measure of the resolve of both sides. 
it just really helps to set the scene and yoda goes in there and uh he tells them you know it's uh not so fast you know here I, i'm still here you still got to deal with me before this that's all mm-hmm. it happens the way you had planned it would happen you know he almost does he does go toe to toe with the emperor and it, it could have gone it could have kind of could have gone either way there but uh the way the force willed it that uh yoda would be i, I wouldn't even say defeated but he was he just had to withdraw from the battle at that point it was kind of an even it was really an even even match there for most of it and the spectacle of it too fights are also really cool when they move from place to place right um it starts in a small contained area in in the chancellor's office and then it moves into the full senate building and the spectacle of them rising up they're dueling and they're rising on the chancellor's um pod or whatever that um, retracts down into his office so it rises up into the full senate building and mm-hmm. then before you know it he's flinging other pods at yoda <laughs> which <laughs> terrible vandalism but um just amazing spectacle and probably would the whole duel is probably my second favorite in uh of the live action lightsaber fights but yeah that moment where yoda goes in there um, not the whole fight, but I would say my number two moment is when Yoda goes in to confront the Emperor and they exchange brief words before fighting. That's my second favorite moment. I was just going to say that, again, I, it's a moment that I, I have thought of when we did this list. and you know, I considered putting it on the list. And mm-hmm. In hindsight, I probably would have if I didn't have other representation of Venge the Sith. Yeah, I, I do enjoy, anytime Yoda was on screen, I, I enjoyed those moments, especially mm-hmm. when he... I mean, this fight with Dooku was the first time he saw it. So to me, that was that almost kind of stands out more, just because it was like the first time I saw Yoda do something besides talk. Sure. But I mean, obviously, the fight was better with him and Palpatine. If Ricky haven't got your uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to. I have no idea. I just had a complete brain fart. But I think this is pretty close to what I was gonna talk about. So uh, I was gonna go with so my two the two things now are gonna be really dark. So. I'm a, when it comes to movies, I like to be emotionally, like I think most people do. That's why I hate the Avengers. But like, because <laughs> you don't, okay, there's no emotion. There's no. There, <laughs> I'm getting to a point here. There's no emotional attachment, and like it doesn't draw you in, and it's not gritty. But anyways, that uh, it's I'm, a style. It's terrible, <laughs> but <laughs> I. It's the fight between more the dialogue between Obi Wan and and uh, Anakin at the very end. I think that's probably going to be a lot. Was that going to be your first? Uh, no spoilers. Okay, yeah, don't say it. But the, the moment he said, "I loved you like a brother," and then when when Anakin screams, "I hate you," I mean, it's just to see that turn. You know, to see how it went from brotherhood to uh, hatred and enemy. Like that's. That's a, I don't know, it's just, it, it, they did a very phenomenal, like Ian McGregor did a phenomenal job. And mm-hmm. so did a, Hayden, 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 yeah, everybody forgot his name. But they did a very good job in those, uh, in that particular scene. And it, it's really emotionally captivating. Mm-hmm. It's, so that was, uh, it's just, you know, he's not going to die, but spoiler alerts, you know, he's not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like, you kind of wish, like you almost, to me in that scene where he's burned alive, you're like, does he die here? Like, oh my gosh, how does he get out of this? You know, but then you're yeah. like, oh, wait, wait, yeah. But they did a really good job. So yeah, that's probably my favorite, second favorite scene in the movie. Go ahead, Mr. Right. Brett. So my number two is the moment when Darth Maul appears on that uh, 
aircraft carrier or the hangar the hangar that's the term i was looking for so he first appears and he qui-gon and obi-wan first notice him and he you know he postures in a threatening manner and then both blades come out that's and it more (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) zoom zoom (laughs) whatever sound effects as lifesaver is not my specialty but uh, to me, that was like a, a very intense moment because you're like, this guy is a BA. Yeah. And you knew he, if he was going to take on two Jedi with his dual lightsaber that this guy was, you know. The real deal. And he just he had that cool look to him. And the way he went out was terrible. He's he's still probably my favorite villain. I wish he was a villain that I saw more of in the live action. I know they were, he returns in the cartoon or the Clone Wars, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, they complete his storyline in, in those series, but uh, yeah, I would preferred him to be replaced Dooku with Maul. They had that big battle, and then they could have had like, him and Obi-Wan have an epic... But anyway, that's, that's a different conversation. But yeah, that yeah. moment is my number two. That's probably my favorite lightsaber battle, even like, to me. Right. And it's one of my, it's probably my second favorite. My first favorite is the the remake of. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that, it's awesome. The I can't remember who made it, but it's the remake between uh, Anakin, well, Obi Wan uh, and Obi Wan and Darth Vader. They do a re- on remake YouTube. on YouTube. It's phenomenal. But anyways, the Darth Maul uh, lightsaber duel battle with uh, Qui Gon and uh, Obi Wan is fantastic. That's a perfect segue because that moment is my. You're welcome. Number one moment. So you on number one now? We're at number one, aren't we? No, I haven't. Oh wait, did I do my number two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on number one. So here we are. Number one, favorite moments of the prequel trilogy. Yes, and the music is that's a great. The it's Duel of the Fates. That's what the the piece is called. John Williams, Darth Maul appears, and the score begins. And you know it's fascinating. And I'd love to talk about this on a later episode, but the way music just sets the tone for different scenes and uh, how, yep. how they establish Absolutely. themes for different people and different events. Um, it's incredible. It is. It is really incredible. And Duel of the Fates, I think, is one of John Williams' finest pieces. You misspelled John Williams for Hans Zimmer. <laughs> we can debate <laughs> composers yeah. on a later. Um, the Duel of the Fates. Uh, it's such a prophetic. Um, it really is uh, a prophetic title, right? Because the way this duel ended up, it ended up in the favor of the good guys, right? The Jedi, Obi Wan defeated Maul, and poor Qui Gon um, had to bite it. But even though the good guys won, it set the table because with Maul out of the way, Palpatine had to go looking for another apprentice, which he identified as being Anakin uh, in the long term. Although he would you know go to dooku for a little while doo-doo was just a pawn yes yeah i mean he's very 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 powerful and he had not just as a swordsman but he was a uh, fantastic politician he served a really important role but anyway duel of the fates the fates the fate of the jedi was set in motion because of that duel the fate of anakin was set in motion because of that duel the fate of the galaxy was set in motion so many things hinged around that duel, and that's why it's in my favorite moment of the prequel trilogy of how momentous hmm. it was. Absolutely. So my number one is Ricky's number two. The moment where the duel is wrapping up between Anakin and Obi-Wan, 
Um, Obi-Wan gets the high ground. I have the high ground. I have the high ground. And, but that moment where Great they're exchanging the podcast, dialogue. By the way. Huh? Great name for the podcast. Can, by let, the way. can I just interject something real quick, yes. if you don't mind? <laughs> I'm interrupting Brett's train of thought, and I do apologize. I was just thinking about this today. Maul just stood there as Obi-Wan catapulted himself. Yeah. And it looks like he had all the time in the world, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> like an idiot. But Obi-Wan realized that, right? So here we are, 15, whatever it is, 15, 18 years later. I have the high ground, Anakin. Don't try it. Maul tried this very thing. And, you know, and Maul, didn't, Maul didn't see to catch me in time, but I see you, Anakin. You know, this is all stuff he is going through his mind because he was kind of in this situation on the other side so many years ago, you know? He's like, I'm not going to be like, don't try it, Anakin. Maul should have seen me do this, and I should have been sliced in half like you will be. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I just had that thought, just uh, just connecting those two points in time. Sorry sorry to interrupt you, Brett. That's all right. So when Maul, or after everyone, you know, said that line... And you know the exchange between the two, the dialogue about being brothers, and then, and then really that powerful moment when he shouts "I hate you" while he's like yeah. burning up. And a part of me, when I first saw the movie, I thought, "Oh, Obi Wan's gonna pull him to safety. He's gonna at least, he's not gonna save him, but he's gonna at least pull him or not take him with him. But he's gonna pull him out of the way of the fire. And but he doesn't. He just leaves him there to die. And I was like, that's a pretty dark moment, really, for both of them. I mean, Anakin was or Darth Vader at that point, you know, was beyond saving, yeah. I guess, in Obi-Wan's mind. But Do you think that Obi-Wan didn't, why didn't he finish him off? Did he assume, oh, it's he's pretty much gone, I don't have to, you think? I was going to think yeah. so. If I saw someone burn up no like No legs, that, you're by the fire, you're on, right, well, you're you, on you fire. You just assumed that he yeah. was... He was done. Yeah. yeah. He just probably assumed that, because he was on, like, loose gravel almost, it was, mm-hmm. like, shifting with him. There's so. no way he was going to make it up the hill. Yeah. So he just figured he was going to probably eventually slide into the lava pit and yeah. be done. But I, I remember thinking, well, he's going to pull him up the hill a little bit. and he, But he didn't. He didn't aid or comfort him in any way. He just left him. That's Poetic justice? I guess. And uh, segue that you said, uh, something you just said, uh, no turning back. That's what you said about Anakin. There's no turning back. So my number one part is kind of what you explained. I think your number three was when he completely turned, when Anakin completely turned. But mine was more specific to when he killed the younglings. To me, I think this was the darkest moment in the entire, the actually the entire nine films. This is the darkest moment. When you literally see him walk into that room and the kid's like, what do we do now, Master Anakin or whatever? And then, you know, they don't, he just opens, he turns on his... Pew, turns on his, uh, <laughs> his lightsaber. I mean, that's uh, that's dark. Like, so I don't care about Order sixty six in terms of the other Jedi. They're they're adults. So hopefully, they can fend for themselves. But like, right. when he goes after these kids, like, and I have a like a freaking weird soft spot for kids and like just abuse and just things like that. My sister's therapist and she works with abuse a lot. And even Brett, you do too. I don't have any room for that. And. When you see Anakin kill these kids, then that's how I knew in that moment that even though there's some redemption in the six, seven, eight, or whatever, you know, I don't know. I just I don't think there was any coming back after that. What he did, after what he did with those kids, and even my uncle, who's a uncle, Uncle Mark, who's a pretty good Star Wars fan too. I think he's. We've talked about that scene before too, and he's 
he's like, there's just no, there's no redemption other than death for hmm. for Anakin. Even today, like I watched that, just the whole, when you were talking about Aaron with the music and just how it sets the tone and just imagine that with like a upbeat type of music, like that'd be terrible, you know, but like, that's, <laughs> I'm not trying to like, <laughs> it's a beautiful morning, you know, like, <laughs> like, but <laughs> Imagine, but like when they bring that, when Kids they have heads flying <laughs> off. <laughs> oh man, terrible! But like with the music they did, like John Williams, good on him. I just it's I don't like I, I never rooted for him ever again. Like so when you watch the when you rewatch the uh, original trilogy, you're just like oh, I don't care. Like you're a mass murderer. Like yep. you, you kill little kids yep. and have no remorse. Oh, it's crazy, crazy. Good one. Yeah. Good choice. So that's the top. That's the top yeah. five. That was um, a lot different than I thought. Yeah, we all had different. For the most part, we had very, very varying different opinions on things. Yeah, and I thought it was good, and I hoped we would. Like there's some moments, like the pod race, that uh, yeah. didn't really cross my mind. Um, so, yeah, a lot of varying opinions. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing what we enjoyed about the prequel trilogy. Yep. But uh, what's uh, the, the what's the plan for next 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 episode? Topics TBD. Um, but we will come at you soon with another yeah. episode. We're gonna we're going to hopefully get into some other um, other franchises, uh, lore and moments, um, you know, aspects of different franchises. We might come at you. Uh, we're not just talking Star Wars. We're talking some other other entertainment um, topics. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. See ya. Until next time.